Right, Luke chapter number 2, and uh, we're going to be looking at verse 8 through 14. Before we do, I have a few prayer requests, things I wanted to highlight for our church family. Many of you know Ed Bedat. Ed Bedat has been a, a member here for many, many years, started coming under Pastor Pezlak, and uh, had a stroke many years ago and has been battling uh, multiple sclerosis, sclerosis since. Ed um, uh, was hospitalized earlier this week, and I was... Um, Went by and spent some time with him last night. He was in a coma. Um, he was not doing well in hospice care. He, he did pass away last night. So pray for the Bedat family. Uh, the first time I went up, they were all there in the room and uh, a lot of tears being shed. Ed was very, very loved. Uh, Barb Plude uh, was his caretaker for many years and um, was actually with him when the ambulance was called. So pray for Barb. Pray for Jr. and Jen. Pray for all of the other children. Uh, grandchildren as they're hurting at this time. And so keep them in prayer if you would. And then Rosie Cox Di Domenico was in a car accident yesterday. And uh, she's very sore, has an MRI coming up. Her car was totaled. She was rear-ended coming home from work in New York. And so keep her in prayer if you would. Uh, pray for her today. And she texted me and let me know this morning she wasn't doing well. Bob Nastasia had surgery this week. As far as I know, I see Sally's here. So he's all right. Uh, Bob tries to get sympathy and pity, and Sally's like, toughen up. So she just gives it to him. So, uh, But uh, she's here today, so he must be okay, all right? He's, he's still breathing air, amen. So uh, pray, for, uh, pray for Bob as he's recovering. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer for these things, and then we'll get into our message today. Lord, we pray you'd be with our church family. Others, Lord, are not here because they're dealing with colds or uh, the like, and then some are out because they're discouraged. This time of the year can be very difficult for some people. And so we think of them today. We think of the Bedat family, Barb Plude, and others who loved Ed very much and are saddened over his passing. Lord, he's in heaven with you. And I, I think of the days he drove a church bus here and brought boys and girls in, and many people got saved as a result of his efforts. We pray that you'd comfort the family during this time of loss. We pray for Miss Rosie that you'd help her. Uh, to recover, and Lord, uh, get her back on her feet and moving in the right direction. Help her there not to be any long-term uh, side effects from this accident she was in yesterday. And Lord, uh, be with her in a special way today. Be with her service, Lord. May the remainder of it bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles, if you have found that and you're able, would you please stand? We're going to read God's Word together. Uh, we're going to do a responsive reading. I'll read a verse, and then the church will read a verse, and we'll continue in that pattern uh, all the way down through. So we're going to begin in verse number 8, and we're going to read down through verse 14. I'll tell you what, let's begin together in verse 8, and then I'll read uh, 9 uh, alone, then we'll get back together reading verse 10. And again, continue in that pattern down through 14. Ready? Here we go. Verse 8. Together. Ready? And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The title of the sermon this morning is this, Why Shepherds? 
We know the angels came and they sung about the birth of Jesus. The announcement was made by an archangel, most likely, and then there was a choir of angels that joined and sang. And this, was, this announcement was made over the birth of Jesus to those whose society just considered to be lowly shepherds, to be peasants. Why, of all people, why shepherds? We're going to look at that this morning. Let's pray quickly. Lord, thank you today for what we've already seen and heard and experienced, how our hearts have been warmed over the Christmas message through song and narration. Lord, our hearts leap for joy as we watch the kids bouncing with energy on this platform as they sang and the innocence of a child. I think of Psalm 8, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. And Lord, our hearts were strengthened through their singing. But Lord, now we turn our attention to the Word of God and we consider this aspect of the Christmas story. That day, the shepherds were in the field, just another mundane evening, keeping watch over their flock, and then the sky was lit up with angels, making announcements and singing. And so, Lord, as we turn our attention to this, may you impress in each of our hearts what it is you want us to hear and we need to hear today. Lord, comfort those who are hurting. Uh, Encourage those who are weak. Uh, Lord, correct those that are rebellious and out of bounds. But, Lord, most importantly, save those that are lost. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, there's two things that are sure in life. They are death and death and taxes. Taxes. That's where the Christmas story begins. You look back, if you were to look back at Luke 2 verse 1, you see that there was a tax given out by Caesar Augusta, Augustus. And uh, that, had, uh, that was what drove... Uh, Joseph and Mary toward Bethlehem and to the city on the out, the suburb city on the outside of Jerusalem, Bethlehem. We we serve a God who is great at taking the distasteful things of life and using them to bring about glory uh, uh, in our lives. Can you imagine the inconvenience? Mary was nearing the end of her pregnancy, and uh, she did not have a Buick or Lexus to ride to Bethlehem. And no, she had to sit on the back of a colt or a donkey and take the long, arduous, difficult journey, uh, uh, as pregnant as she was, all the way to Bethlehem. I, Miss Callie here is our uh, Pastor Andrew's wife. Can you imagine riding on a donkey right now? And so uh, that, was, that was the inconvenience. That was uh, the horrible uh, hardship that they had to endure. Um, on top of this, uh, going to pay taxes, they were going to report for a census. And there was a census being taken of the Roman Empire. And everyone was ordered back to the hometown of their forefathers. David was the forefather of Joseph, making Jesus a legal, um, uh, uh, legally in the line of, of uh, David. While he was the stepfather of Jesus, because Jesus had no father, legally Joseph was his father, so legally Jesus was of the lineage of David. But Jesus was also the daughter, or the son rather, of, of Mary, and Mary was of the lineage of David. And so both uh, Joseph and Mary, while engaged, betrothed, they headed toward Bethlehem, uh, where David had been born for this census. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, all the hotels, all the motels, all the inns, and all the Airbnbs were booked. There was nowhere for them to stay. Nowhere. Every single place where they could stay was taken. There was not a room available anywhere. And I can just imagine the dismay on 
Joseph's uh, face and in his heart as he felt an obligation to take care of this woman he was madly in love with and soon to marry. And, uh, and, and I can see maybe the frustration on Mary's face when things didn't work out. Um, and I've been there. I've been there where Joseph was, where I couldn't seem to get into a hotel. Uh, it, 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 rooms were booked, and are we going to have to spend the night in the car? Except, again, they had no car. What were they going to do? And then an innkeeper uh, decided to take pity on this couple and gave them shelter from the elements in an animal barn. Pastor Andrew, a few minutes ago, narrated for us that this wasn't some cute little pretty animal barn where hay was strawed out and just this perfect uh, uh, rustic uh, look. Uh, it wasn't just uh, some uh, perfectly neat and sanitary uh, type setup. No, no, it was, it was probably drafty and cold and uh, there were animals that were uh, noisy and, and there Mary went into labor and she would give birth uh, to the Christ child and be born on that first Christmas day. Now, births are magical no matter who it is, but the, this birth was even more so. God had sent divinity to be born among man. God uh, of heaven, the God of heaven, had come down to dwell amongst men. 4,000 years prior to the birth of Jesus, Adam and Eve had committed the very first sin against God. In that moment that Adam and Eve sinned and were reprimanded by God, God took a lamb and he sacrificed it so that their sins would be covered. God told Eve that through her womb, a promised child would come to save her from the condemnation and damnation of sin. And that had happened that first Christmas morning that Jesus was born. For generations, the Jews had talked about a coming Messiah to be Jew. To be a Jew and, uh, was to know about the Messiah, was to constantly talk about the Messiah, to hear about the Messiah. Messiah is coming. Messiah will save us. Messiah will rescue us. Messiah rolled off the tongue of every Jew on a regular basis many, many times a day. Uh, to be Jew was to talk about the coming Savior, the coming Messiah. His birth had been anticipated by this people group for millennia and now... It had finally come. When a child is born on earth here in 2021, we take pictures. We take the appropriate kind of pictures. Amen? Uh, you're in that hospital and you're trying to get that angle just right and you want the baby to be cleaned up and, and, and you, you want to get pictures out there and, and you send them via text message, right? Or maybe you post on social media and we announce, right? We announce the birth of a child, and uh, to uh, many of you in here have been a, a mom or dad for the first time, and to have that bundle transferred into your arms, and to look down and feel the awesomeness of this child, it, God has given this child to me, and uh, it is my responsibility uh, to raise this child. Some of you in here have moved past the mom and dad stage, and you're in the grandma, grandpa stage. How many, I'm just curious this morning, how many of you call yourselves Grandma and Grandpa. Anybody in here go with the traditional Grandma or Grandpa? How many of you are too cool to go with the Grandma Grandpa title? All right, you, you got a whole nother. I saw someone who was 30 raise their hand. You, you, you are, yes, you are too cool to be called Grandma. You're too young as well. Um, uh, but uh, you, you got that bundle of joy laid in your hands, and you want everyone who you love to know this child is coming to the world. This child is mine. Uh, God has given me this child. And can you imagine the joy 
on the face of God the Father in heaven? This had not been a nine-month plan. This had been a 4,000-year plan of Jesus coming and being born. The prophets had written about it. The, uh, the angels had, had sung about it. Uh, it had been talked about and, and talked about and talked about it. Uh, the, the foreshadowing, the, the forecasting of Jesus coming. And now it was finally here. No, there was no picture taken with a smartphone. There was no social media post. But Jesus made sure that in His way, he announced it to the world. But he did not go announce it uh, to those who were the elite of society. He did not go announce it in the temple where the religious sect dwelled. He, he did not go find uh, the, the richest of the richest there in Bethlehem or Jerusalem. No, he went and found shepherds. Shepherds. Shepherds who were uh, the forgotten of society. Shepherds who uh, lived in the shadows of society. Shepherds who had a very important job to do, but were for the most part pushed to the side and forgotten. And that begs the question this morning, of all people, that Jesus could have announced the birth of His Son too. Why shepherds? Why shepherds? Well, we're going to look at that question this morning. And, and uh, if you received a bulletin on your way in, on the back of that bulletin is the outline I'll be sharing this morning or preaching from this morning. And so if you have an ink pen or someone next to you has an ink pen, re- reach over real quick and steal it from them. Amen? And um, fill this out. As we go along, we'll be putting the uh, outline up there on the screen, and so that will give you uh, a way to stay engaged. Some of you came in this morning and you're tired. Uh, maybe you're up all night last night. Some folks work a third uh, shift job and, and come in. Other folks just stay up real late. Amen? Uh, but whatever it is, if you're tired this morning, we hope that you'll be engaged enough to uh, hang with us and hang in there. All right? Uh, let me give you four thoughts this morning. Let's consider this question, why shepherds? Number one, point number one, notice the vocation of a shepherd. The vocation of a shepherd. Really, to answer this question, we're going to need to back up a little bit, even out of Luke chapter 2, and we're going to have to consider who a shepherd is and what a shepherd does to better answer this question why shepherds? Let me give you an A, B, and a C. Notice letter A, a shepherd's class. A shepherd's class. And I'm talking about wealth class here. Now, one day, as a little boy, I was sitting in my, um, uh, in my living room uh, and um, looking at the nativity scene that my mother had set up there in the living room. And, and, and I like to think uh, on a deeper level. I've always kind of been that serious-minded uh, individual, even back into my childhood, and I think deeper thoughts. And I was sitting there looking at this nativity scene, and I remember seeing Joseph and Mary. And, I, and I'm eight, nine years old, and, and I'd heard the Christmas narrative many times, and even had Luke chapter two, one through fourteen memorized. And I remember looking at Joseph and Mary, and I knew why Joseph was there, and I knew why Mary was there, and, and I obviously knew why baby Jesus was there in this nativity scene. And then at this particular nativity scene, my mom had set up the three wise men were there. And you better know it that as a deep thinker, I'd gone to my mom and I'd said, you know that the three wise men were not actually at the nativity. Yes, Richard, I know. All right. And so, uh, and I said, you know, there were maybe more than three. Yes, we are aware. And so I had to make sure I corrected my parents. And so they were very good at correcting me. And so um, the three wise men are there, Mary and Joseph are there. And I remember sitting there staring at this nativity scene and contemplating and looking then at the shepherds and thinking, these shepherds just seem 
to be out of place. They are, they are in another wealth class altogether. And here they are at this nativity scene where Jesus, the royalty of heaven, is present. These three wise men representing the royalty of earth are present. Uh, Mary of the lineage of David, she's present. Joseph of the lineage of David, he's present. Here God on earth is present. What are these shepherds doing here? The more I thought about it, the more I became confused. Why shepherds? Why shepherds? Why did the angels not announce the birth of Jesus to people of a higher class? You see, in Bethlehem that night, there were people of all kinds of vocations. Again, Bethlehem is a small city. Right on the outskirts of Bethlehem. A, 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 a forgotten city. Other than having been the, the hometown of King David, uh, that was its claim to fame. Not much happened there. It was rather quiet normally. But this was tax season. And this was the census season. Right down the road from Bethlehem was the great city of Jerusalem where the high priest dwelled. There was no announcement to these people of financial means or spiritual greater importance. The angels came that night and announced the most important birth of all mankind to these lowly shepherds in the middle of the country. God chose the peasant shepherds to announce that the Messiah, the Christ, the anticipated one, had finally come into the world. We see the shepherd's class. Let her be noticed, a shepherd's character, a shepherd's Character. Turn over to Luke chapter 15. You're in Luke 2. Just a handful of pages to the right there. Luke 15. And we're going to look at the first seven verses of Luke 15. And we're going to see here a parable that Jesus shares about a shepherd. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake a parable unto them, the Pharisees, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, a shepherd's job is less like a traditional job, and it's more like a lifestyle choice. It's not a nine-to-five type job where you punch in and punch out. It's a job that is with you all day, every day. If you're a shepherd, you wake up thinking about sheep, you go to bed thinking about sheep. Uh, To be a shepherd is a lifestyle choice. It's not a job where you occasionally take work home uh, and, um, and finish a project or write up a report. No, when your vocation is sheep, you are always on call for any kind of emergency uh, that could be looming. It's not a job where the boss asks you to occasionally work overtime. And for a shepherd, overtime is the norm. You are not as much concerned about making a paycheck as much as you are about caring for the well-being of that flock, of your flock. Uh, Shepherds smell like sheep. 
Shepherds dwell among the sheep. Shepherds know each of their sheep by name. They, they know the character of each sheep. They know the personality of each sheep. They know how to calm the sheep. They know how to move the sheep along from one field to another. Shepherds are not afraid of animals that seek to prey on the flock. They stand ready with their weapon of choice, ready to defend. Uh, hear me out now. You cannot be a shepherd long term. You cannot be a shepherd long term unless you are devoted to what you do. You cannot be a shepherd long term unless you genuinely love and care for each one of the sheep in your flock. Which brings us to letter C. Letter C rather. Notice a shepherd's care. A shepherd's care. Look with me at John chapter number ten. And as we look at letter C, a shepherd's care, and we read John 10, boy, the answer as to why shepherds begins to unveil itself. The answer begins to come into focus. Look at verse 11 of John chapter 10. And Jesus now is an adult man. He's started his ministry. He's teaching. He's, 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 he's training. He's explaining. He's articulating who he is. Look at verse number 11. I am, Jesus says, the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. Look at 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Jesus, the ultimate shepherd, uh, he, he is uh, uh, the one who has saved uh, the sheep. Uh, the saved are his sheep. Jesus says about a shepherd, he is willing to give his life for the sheep. He is willing to give his life to take care of the sheep. He is fearless in defending the sheep. Now listen, uh, it isn't that a shepherd isn't afraid of a wolf or a lion or a bear, but rather his love for the sheep overcomes any fear that he has of that animal. Uh, look down to verse 27 of John chapter 10. Verse 27, the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jesus says about His divinity in verse 30, I and my Father are one. Now one other characteristic of a shepherd we see here is that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. The sheep are calmed by the voice of their shepherd. The, the sheep know their shepherd, and their shep the shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep. We see the vocation of a shepherd. Why shepherds? Why did God choose to send the angels to tell shepherds? Of all people, why shepherds? Number one, the vocation. Number two, notice the vision of the shepherds. Go back with me to Luke chapter 2. Now, let's start to parse Luke 2, 8 through 14. Look with me at verse number 9 here. It says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. So, the way I picture this is you had 
two, three, four shepherds, maybe more, but two, three, four shepherds, and uh, they had their own individual flocks they looked after and they took care of. And, you know, being out in the field by yourself uh, can get quite lonely. And so these men brought their flocks together, and they're sitting there in a group, and they're fellowshipping, they're talking. It's a quiet night. I'm sure the conversation that night had to do with the, the buzz of everyone coming into town and the hotels and the inns being full and all the hustle and bustle around city and what they saw and what they had observed. And they're sitting there that night and they're talking and they're having a, a time uh, being friends. And then maybe there's a quietness. Uh, you ever gone on a long car ride and you had 20, 30 minutes where it's just quiet? Just quiet? Maybe there's this tranquil feeling in the air where it's quiet and then all of a sudden, boom, up in the sky, there's this angel and this light around the angel and, 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 and the men are just, they're startled, they're afraid. I don't like coming out of the bathroom and having one of my children scare me, but if an angel was standing there and scared me, how much more terrifying would that be? And uh, There's an angel in the sky, an aura, a light around it and these men are naturally Terrified, They're startled. The vision of the shepherds. Notice letter A, the angelic announcement. The angelic announcement. Look down at verse number 10 of Luke chapter 2. The Bible says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, I imagine this angel it has to be smiling ear to ear. Can you imagine? What we think about uh, this on earth. But just imagine the scene in heaven when Jesus was born. Imagine how joyous it was in heaven. They, they knew that Jesus had left their presence and had gone down and uh, had been, uh, by the Holy Spirit, placed in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And uh, Nine months they anticipated the birth. They were excited about the birth. And then the day came where Jesus is born and the hooping and hollering, the big party in heaven, the celebration in heaven, the, the smiling of the angels as the one they have worshipped from eternity past has now been born on earth to redeem mankind from their sins. And this angel, God says to an angel, go down and tell those shepherds in that field that Jesus has been born. And boy, that angel made a beeline down to earth and there he is in the clouds of the sky and uh, the light shining around him and he's got a big smile on his face. And he says, fear not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, shepherd, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, lying in a manger. Why shepherds? Why did God in heaven choose to send his angels down to announce the birth of his son to shepherds. As we saw a few minutes ago, Jesus would identify himself as the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Turn over to Isaiah 53 in your Bibles. That's in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. And you get to Psalm, uh, work your way to the right. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, uh, Isaiah. So three or four books to the right of the book of Psalm. Isaiah, and then find your way to the back of the book, Isaiah 53. Now Jesus, as he is the good shepherd, the Bible says that the good shepherd would lay his life down for the sheep and he would act like a lamb and die for the sheep. Look at verse number 6 of Isaiah 53. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity 
of us all. He was oppressed. And speaking of Jesus here, the Messiah, he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For, why did Jesus die? For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That Christmas morning, Jesus, the greatest gift ever given to man, was a wrapped gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. But please hear me, please hear me. Jesus was not just born so we could have a big holiday every year for the box stores to make enough money to get back in the, in, in the, in the black. All right? Jesus was not born so that we could celebrate Santa Claus and snowmen. Jesus was not born so that we could put a tree in our house and hang lights on it. Jesus was not born so that you could have a, a Christmas party and drink spiked eggnog. Jesus was born... Because mankind had a problem. Mankind had a problem called S-I-N. James, the book of James says this about sin. It says, sin brings forth death. Death. Sad my heart to hear the news about my friend Ed who passed away last night. But I know that Ed is in heaven with Jesus. But do you know why Ed died? Ed died for the same reason that one day I will die and you will die. Ed died because he's a sinner. And Ed, lives under, Ed lived under a sin curse. Now, I want everyone to listen to me very closely here because what I'm about to share with you, I believe, if you've never heard this before, this is the most important, and I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully, but I full wholeheartedly mean what I'm about to say. This is the most important message that could ever be communicated to you. Because this does not deal with your life on earth. This deals with your life in eternity. You understand that if you live for 70, 80, 90, 100 years, some of you might live longer, eventually this is going to come to a, a screeching halt. Your body's going to give out at some point. Eternity is eternity. And where you spend eternity, boy, that matters so much more than your quality of life here on earth. And I want to help you know how you can spend eternity in heaven with God and miss out on eternity in hell with Satan. Isaiah 53 lays out for us exactly why Jesus was born on earth. He was not born so we could have Christmas morning. He was born so that he could hang on a tree and die. You see, the greatest gift given to man was not just laid in a manger, he was nailed to a cross. While Jesus was on that cross, God the Father in heaven, He looked down. He looked ahead in time and He saw me and you. 
He saw our birth dates. He saw our death dates. He saw every immoral thing we would do in between those two dates. You see, on a tombstone, you have the birth date and the death date, and you have this dash. That dash represents our life. God knew and knows everything wrong that we'll ever do. He knows the transgressions, how we'll transgress into immorality. And God collected all of those sins together and He laid them on Jesus. You see, while Jesus hung up on an old rugged cross, God took my sins, every lie I've told, every lust I've had, every every mean-spirited thing I've ever done, every sin I've ever committed against God, and God laid that on Jesus. Jesus literally became my sin. And you know what my sin did to Jesus? It killed Him. How do you kill an all-powerful God? You turn Him into the sin of mankind. My sin and your sin collectively brought death to God. Boy, don't let that just go in one ear and out the other. Jesus Christ died for you. But God commendeth. He proved. He showed. He demonstrated His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much do you have to love someone to be willing to die for them? And that's what Jesus did for you. But my friend, He didn't stay dead. They laid Him in the tomb of a rich man. They laid Him amongst the wicked. And three days later, He stood up from the dead and He said, sin's not going to hold me down. It can kill me, but it can't keep me down. He's alive today. I'm going to tell you here today, we are a Christian church because Christ rose from the dead. Buddha's still in the grave. Muhammad's still in the grave. Any religious leader of all time that you want to find, you can go and find their burial place. But my friend, the tomb of Jesus Christ is empty. And because it's empty, Jesus in heaven has the power to take the blood He shed on the cross and wash away your sins. Isaiah 53 tells us that like a sheep is ignorant and dumb and silent before those who are going to kill it, Jesus opened out His mouth and He willingly laid down His life as an offering for our sin so that we could be saved. When I was just a young child, this thought, this explanation of Jesus' death was given to me. And as a little boy in a church service, I understood that four things I understood. I understood that I was a sinner. I understood that my sin was going to condemn me to hell because God hated my sin. But listen, I understood that while God hated my sin, God loved me. He loved me so much, He wanted to forgive my sin and take my soul to heaven. He loved me so much that instead of sending me to hell, He sent Jesus to hell in my place. I understood as just a small child that Jesus was waiting on me to call on Him and believe in Him for salvation. Why shepherds? Because shepherds represent those who don't need to be extremely intelligent to get things figured out. You see, shepherds aren't architects. They're not chemical engineers. 
I don't even, I'm not smart enough to even say the titles of people who are way smarter than me. Amen? I'm just a simple preacher. Shepherds are people who know how to look at a sheep and take care of it. And my friend, I think sometimes people end up in hell because they're too smart for their own good. Oh, I don't need God. I've got life on a string. My friend, you might be successful on this side of eternity, but God says there's one way to heaven, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. The hardest thing for some people to do is to swallow their pride and admit their sin and call on Jesus for salvation. Don't let pride take you to hell. Don't let pride condemn you to hell. Boy, today, let me encourage you to humble your heart and accept Jesus, to put your faith in Him. When I was a small child, I prayed a very simple prayer. My prayer in essence was this. I said to the Lord, I said, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell when I die because of my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. My faith is in you and in you alone to save me. Give me the gift of eternal life and take me to heaven when I die. My friend, I didn't do anything to deserve the gift. I couldn't do anything to deserve the gift. I didn't need to go to church to get the gift. I just needed to believe in Jesus. And that day, Jesus forgave my sin. He wrote my name down in the Lamb book of, Lamb's Book of Life. And now my fate is sealed for heaven. And I would encourage you before you leave today to do the same. Letter A, we see the angelic announcement. Letter B, we see the angelic anthem. Look down at verse 13. And we see that this one angel that made the announcement was then surrounded by a host of angels. The Bible says in suddenly, Luke 2, 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the, eye, in the, in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Oh, to have been there. Oh, to have been sitting in a field, staff in hand, Mouth gaped open, eyes as big as half dollars, as God's angels from heaven light up the sky and sing that celestial song. Oh, to have been there and witnessed that. We see, number one, the vocation of a shepherd. Number two, the vision of the shepherds. Number three, quickly, we're almost done here. Notice the visit of the shepherds. Look down at verse 15, 15 Luke two fifteen. It says, and it came to pass as the shepherd, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. It was a good thing that God had been born on earth. The angels had to go and rather the shepherds had to go and see it for themselves. Can you imagine sitting there and, and these angels come and they announce and the, uh, then they're, 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 there's this army of angels that come and they're singing this anthem of glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men, and all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. And you're sitting there. And, and you're speechless. You, you, you got no words. And then finally, after a couple of minutes of being dumbfounded and, and shocked, of what you've just seen, one looks at the other and says, what do we do now? The other guy says, what do you mean what do we do now? Let's go see the Messiah. Let's go find him. 
And so they left the sheep with the hireling. And they ran into Bethlehem and they found baby Jesus. And there the baby is asleep in the manger. And Joseph and Mary must have been sitting there in the cold night. Joseph's holding Mary and warming her as they're looking at the Christ child before them. They went and visited the baby Jesus. And I would just say to you this morning, um, don't let this Christmas season go by where you leave the baby in the manger and, and you never actually make that personal visit to be saved. Boy, make it personal. I share this story just about every Christmas, but as a small child, we, my, we lived in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and my grandmother lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It was a two-and-a-half-hour drive uh, to get there. and uh, Many Christmases we would go and spend Christmas with my dad's mom, my grandmother, and and my grandmother, to my knowledge, never was a believer, uh, never really was uh, in church, especially in her older years, never really went to church. And she would love Christmas, though, and decorations everywhere. And, and I remember pulling up to her house, and we're walking up to the front door, and my dad had a key to get in. My grandmother wasn't home. And uh, she had a sign on the door that said, Merry Christmas. And it was the nativity on the sign there on the door. And I remember uh, saying to my dad, as he's putting the key in the door of this dark house we're getting ready to walk into, I remember saying to my dad, how come Grandma celebrates Christmas when she doesn't believe in Christ? And My dad turned and he looked at me and he said, that's a great question, son. Don't be a person who celebrates Christmas without ever having actually put your full faith and trust in Christ. Listen, I'm not against gift giving and, and, and taking. I'm not against Christmas trees and Christmas lights. We have one in our lobby. We've got gifts under the tree in that lobby. I'm not against all of the fun and the Christmas traditions that go on every year. Uh, uh, listen, I'm not against those things, but I'm going to tell you right here and right now, Satan has used a lot of that to be a distraction to keep people away from the true meaning of Christmas. The best thing you could do right here and right now, if you have not done so yet, is receive the gift of salvation this Christmas season. You know, the truth is about a gift. You can't pay for it. Somebody paid for it. But if it's a gift for you, you can't pay for it. How many of you here on Christmas morning, uh, if you were to give a gift to your child and your child were to go run under, under, into his room and pull up the mattress and find $20 and say, here's $20 for that gift. You'd laugh at the cuteness of it and say, no, you can't pay me. It's a gift. I paid for it. And I hope you paid for it. Amen? <laughs> Don't be one of those, you know, smash and grab people. Pay for your stuff. Amen? You pay for it, and they simply receive it. Now, please, please, please hear what I'm about to say. You cannot run to God in heaven and say, God, here is my good works. Here is my church attendance. Here's my denominational card. Here are all the good things I've done. I've been baptized, and I've helped the elderly, and I've given to benevolence, and I've helped at St. Jude's Hospital. I've done all these things, and surely, God, I am good enough for you to save me. And God says, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. I paid for your gift of salvation on the cross with the life of Jesus, there's nothing you can give me that will pay for it. It's free. All you can do is open up your heart and humbly receive it. Now the truth is about a gift, 
It can be paid for. It can be wrapped. It can be placed under a tree or placed on a table and placed right in front of you. But nobody can make you take it. Nobody. It's your choice. I could offer you the nicest gift, the, the, the t- thing at the top of your wish list this year. I wonder how many of you here, like me, have an Amazon wish list. All right? Get that thing at the top of your wish list, that number one item you hope you get this year. I can wrap it and put it right in front of you, but I can't make you take it. God has done everything He can to make it easy for you to be saved. He's purchased the gift of the life of Jesus. He's, he's gift-wrapped it by writing it in the Bible. He, he's, he's even slid it in front of you by having you be in a gospel-preaching church this morning. But nobody can make you receive it. You say, how do I receive it? By humbling your heart and extending the hand of faith and believing in Jesus is your way to heaven. We've seen the vocation. We've seen the vision. We've seen the visit. Number four, and lastly, let's notice the voice. The voice of the shepherds. I'm just about done. Look at verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. All they that heard it wandered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. It wasn't enough for them to come and see. They also had to go and tell. Today, we've been, we have invited you to come and see the greatest story ever told. Jesus wants those of you who have experienced salvation to go and tell the world of His saving grace. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You've been a wonderful crowd. You've been a wonderful crowd. We've had you here a little more than an hour and a half. We'll have you here for about another ten minutes. We're almost done. If you're getting restless, I ask that just on purpose you take a moment and Hunker down and focus. I want to ask you this morning, have you received the gift of eternal life? Boy, Jesus went through great lengths to buy you the gift of salvation. To be honest, God's offended when we try to pay Him for that gift. The cost was so great. It cost Him His life. Cost him the life of his only begotten son. Please, 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 listen up. And I would ask if you could, everyone else, just to stay still for me. Stay still. Today, the gift is being offered to you freely. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 10, Thou shalt be saved. You will be rescued. As a four-year-old boy, I prayed that simple prayer I shared with you a few minutes ago, and I would like to invite you to pray a very similar prayer right now. Boy, what I'm trying to help you to do is extend your hand of faith and receive that gift. If you've never done that, would you do that with me now? Under your breath, under your breath, right where you are, just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that my sin is wrong. I understand the wages of my sin. The price tag for my sin is death and hell. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. My faith is in you and in you alone to save me. Give me the gift of eternal life. Take me to heaven when I die.
in Jesus' name.